0: We pray all of this in your holy name. Amen. Well, one of my uh, favorite stories, really, that I've ever heard comes from the podcast or radio show, This American Life. Some people have heard it. I may have even told this story before. It's that much my favorite Uh, But the episode is called Nice Work, If You Can Get It, and they interview people about different jobs they've had. But the first one, uh, the host interviews an astronaut, which you all here in the near Purdue University, the cradle of astronauts would appreciate this. And the first question the host asks is, so on your business card, does it say astronaut? And the answer is, yeah, it does. Isn't that cool? And the host goes on to talk to the astronaut about uh, what, what is it that you do? And you think, in your head, think about what you think an astronaut does. Probably lots of exercise, lots of training and cool simulation machines and all that. Uh, but what it turns out is that most of what astronauts do is paperwork, lots and lots and lots of paperwork. And so it turns out that it's not quite as exciting as you think it is. In fact, one of the most fascinating things I got from this story is that, uh, so the vast majority of astronauts work for the government. Maybe all of them. I don't know for sure. Anyways, they work for the government. That means that they are required to submit mileage reports. As in, when you go on a rocket from the Earth to the space station... (laughs) you have to submit that mileage, which is you know some absurd number. <laughs> and so in so many ways, this is kind of the, the shortfall of business cards. And they give you job titles and contact information, but then they leave something out. <laughs> they don't quite tell you the whole story. Instead, if you really wanna know what someone's job is like, you have to actually do the job with them, to walk along with them, to see them in their action which I now no longer want to watch an astronaut work because it feels like something I could get down at City Hall. But in so many ways, uh, this is true of God as well. The Bible tells these stories that show us what it's like to walk alongside God. And you've got to think, there are so many names that God could put on a business card. The Almighty, Savior, Lord... But the names that we give God only do so much to describe and explain who God is. Putting God's name on a business card does not tell you everything about God. It doesn't matter how many names you can crunch on that little card. But to truly understand who God is, you have to look back and see how God has been alive in the lives of faithful people who sought counsel You have to listen to the stories of what it was like when God showed up. You have to see what God has done. And you have to recognize the places in your own life where God has been faithful. And in so many ways, this is what scripture is. It is the story of how God has shown up. So today we're going to hear one of the earliest stories of God being present in someone's life. And in many ways, it marks the first, but not the last time God shows up bringing new life. So our scripture today comes from Genesis 18 and 21. Let's listen to it. The Lord appeared to Abraham of Mamre as he sat at the entrance of his tent in the heat of the day. He looked up and saw three men standing near him. When he saw them, he ran from the tent entrance to meet them and bowed down to the ground He said, my Lord, if I find favor with you, do not pass by your servant. Let a little water be brought and wash your feet and rest yourselves under the tree. Let me bring a little bread that you may refresh yourselves and after that you may pass on since you have come to your servant. So they said, do as you have said. And Abraham hastened into the tent to Sarah and said, make ready three Make ready quickly three measures of choice flour, knead it and make cakes. Abraham ran to the herd and took a calf tender and good and gave it to the servant who hastened to prepare it. Then he took curds and milk and the calf that he had prepared and set it before them and he stood by them under the tree while they ate. They said to him, where is your wife Sarah? And he said, there in the tent. Then one said, I will surely return to you in due season, and your wife, Sarah, shall have a son. And Sarah was listening at the tent entrance behind him. Now Abraham and Sarah were old, advanced in age. It ceased to be with Sarah after the manner of women. So Sarah laughed to herself, saying, after I have grown old and my husband is old, shall I be fruitful? The Lord said to Abram, Why did Sarah laugh and say, Shall I indeed bear a child now that I am old? Is anything too wonderful for the Lord? At the set time I will return to you in due season, and Sarah shall have a son. But Sarah denied, saying, I did not laugh, for she was afraid. He said, Yes, you did laugh. And then from 21, The Lord dealt with Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did for Sarah as he had promised. And Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age, at the time of which God had spoken to him. Abraham gave him the name Isaac to him who Sarah bore. And Abraham circumcised his son Isaac when he was eight days old, as God had commanded him. Abraham was a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born to him. Now Sarah said, God has brought laughter for me. Everyone hear, who hears will laugh with me. And she said, who would have ever said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? Yet I have borne him a son in his old age. May God bless this reading. Well, I kind of stole the title of this sermon from a podcast that I was listening to this week. Uh, In the podcast, it's a podcast called I Love to Tell the Story. And in it, the biblical scholar Rolf Jacobson, who works at Luther Seminary in Minnesota, says that if God had a business card, it would say, raises from the dead. Indeed, as Christians, we know this. Jesus, who is God among us, becomes known for his resurrection, for the defeating of death, But the earliest followers of Jesus knew that this meant something special because they had already seen the stories of where God has shown up. They knew God's business card and maybe a little bit more about God. And so in Jesus, they saw what God does in action. But way back when God was first showing up to Israel when God was forming a relationship with the Hebrew people, and after God had made the promise to Abraham about being the father of a great nation way back when it was all starting, it began here with a couple beyond child-rearing age. In fact, they were so far beyond child-rearing age that to even suggest that they might have a child together was laughable. Sarah laughs. But this experience, this scene of God coming and communing with God's people, it really sets the stage for what is to come. Because God is the one who shows up and brings new life where it seemed impossible. And this becomes a pattern that Israel recognizes and sees and knows that this is who their God is. God raises from the dead, this time in the form of a child... And the lives of a woman who are too, a man and a woman who are too old to be parents, but this is not the last time this happens. So throughout Scripture we have this reoccurring theme. In Hebrew scripture it is often the woman who is not able to conceive. Rebecca, Rachel, both fit into this category. Hannah is another one, and there are several other unnamed women throughout the Old Testament who at one point are not able to conceive, and God helps. God makes something happen. God shows up. And so you gotta think, you have this pattern, right? You know God's business card, has been handed out to Israel, and suddenly there's this story told of a young woman named Mary, who was with child even though she had not known her husband. No, in the Bible, by the way, is always a euphemism but she's with child and the people hearing this story would have gone, oh, I know who that is. That is the God who has shown up in this way so many times. God is creating life. They would have known this pattern. And then of course, when they heard the Jesus story, they would have recognized it again. He is laid in the tomb in a place where there is no life and their resurrection happens. And the God whose business card says, raises from the dead, strikes again. So this is a story familiar to the people of Israel because it is how their God has walked with them. It is a reoccurring pattern in their life together. So who is our God? Our God is the one who raises from the dead, who brings back to life who acts in ways that make us want to laugh out loud at the improbability of anything new happening. We know this not simply because it's what God's business card says, but we know it because we have seen the pattern of life, death, and resurrection. The cycle played out over and over again. I mean, just think back to Israel when they are brought out of slavery, a time of death, And God gathers them at Mount Sinai and hands down commandments and we see a new people brought into being, a resurrection. And then we see death as they lose sight of their source of the God who has remained faithful. And Israel finds itself in exile, in death, defeated by foreign nations. And everything looks bleak and they wonder, how will we get out of this one? How will we get back? God intercedes, brings them back to life, restores their fortunes, sets them back on the right path. Life, death, resurrection. And this is the thing with God. We don't know who God is by what we say about God or by some belief system. We know who God is by what God has done and is continuing to do. We know who God is because we've heard the story. Now, the thing is, saying that there is this pattern is not the same thing as saying that things will always work out. It doesn't mean God takes what is wrong and turns it back into what was. God doesn't always restore things in the way we would like it to be restored. But what it means is that God does bring new life out of the death. God does raise from the dead. God does bring back to life wherever it is that we are. And so you've got to think about your life. Maybe you are in a place where life is, could not be better. But if you've lived long enough, you know there will always be periods when it, it could be quite a bit better. When we are experiencing periods in which we feel lost, in which we are in a difficult place, where we've made mistakes, where we've chosen the wrong path, or maybe the wrong paths, and we find ourselves lost. In so many ways, that's the story of Israel that continues into our own lives. They are trying to be faithful as we are trying to be faithful, and yet we all fall short. And I wonder where you are today, if any of this sounds familiar. Because the good news is that wherever it is you're at, God is there. Wherever there is right now for you, God's presence goes with you. If you are lost and in need of somebody finding you, God is there. If you are hurt and in need of healing, God is there. It doesn't mean... That everything will go back to the way it was doesn't mean that it's easy. That's not the way it works. But God continues to journey with us. You know, one of my favorite books is East of Eden by John Steinbeck. I love a really long, slow book. But in it, uh, there's this scene where these couple of characters are arguing over Scripture in a translation of what Genesis says about sin. And they're debating that. In some translations, it says, thou shalt not do this. and In another translation, it says, do thou this. And it's this translation fight. And one of the characters says that they had gone back to the Hebrew, which makes me like the book even better. And the Hebrew, they say, is actually a different word. It's the word timshell. And Timshal means thou mayest, or thou may, you may. And they repeat this word throughout the book. And it adds this flavor as almost as though it's saying that you have the option and how you will respond to this. And the book, if you've read it, goes through the difficult choices that this family makes on the frontier in California. And there's this theme of the choices that we get to make in life. Not the choices when everything is going well. The choices when everything has gone off the rails. The choices that we get to make when things are just between a rock and a hard place. And he says in the Hebrew in Genesis, it's, it's telling you that you have a choice. Even in those moments to live differently. And the book repeats this idea as this family on the frontier makes mistake after mistake after mistake. Tim Shell, you may. So, no matter where you are in life, whatever experiences, you have the ability to choose how you will respond, how you will move forward. One article I read online by Todd Schmidt talking about this passage in this word right, wrote, I love the idea that we are never destroyed or fully broken. There is no life-ending mistake because as it turns out, life is a pretty resilient thing. Regardless of what we experience in our lifetime, we are only as broke and damaged as we choose to be. We can be overwhelmed, but we always have another choice coming and we get to choose whether to stay besieged by the problem or to rise above it. And I think in so many ways, this is what the life, death, resurrection is all about. It is not the promise that everything will work out, but it is the promise that whatever it is you're facing, God will be there. Whatever choices you've made, whatever things you've done that maybe you're not proud of, whatever difficulties you face, God will continue to be there. He is there in the life and in the death, and in the resurrection. And we know that because God's business card says, raises from the dead. And in scripture, we get all sorts of this, all sorts of examples of God creating life where there is no life. Not like the old life, but like something which provides us with a new way of being. It's not the kind of life that we cling to the old. Sometimes you have to let whatever it was go. Because God is in the business of new life, of resurrection and not just resuscitation. So this is the thing with scripture. When you're reading the Bible, how do you know that what you're talking about is God? And a really easy way to know is to ask, is there new life there? Because where there is new life, there will be God. Because that's how God has shown up in God's promises. That's how God has made promises to people. That is how God shows up in the life of Jesus Christ. That no matter what, our God is there, will be there. God brings new life out of death. And so wherever we find ourselves, even if it's in a place without life, we can be assured that the presence of the Spirit walks with us. Just like God was with Abraham and Sarah, God will be with us. Amen. Will you pray with me? Oh, holy and gracious God, we give you thanks for this morning, for the chance to be together and to listen to the promises that you have made throughout the eras. We give you thanks, O oh God, that you continue to be faithful, to show up, to give us strength, even in those times in which we're not sure where we're going to find it. We pray, O oh holy God, that you might, in all things, strengthen us and keep us and hold us. Amen. Friends, let's rise to sing together. I did not know the name of that podcast that Andrew likes. Uh, I love